Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship this day. As we gather in the name of Jesus, as we seek to do his work, both here in this church and in the community, we just have a couple of quick announcements. Our prayer meetings continue tonight at 7 p.m., and it is open to anyone to come and join us for these powerful evenings of prayer. Uh, even though our numbers are small, we still have a wonderful time of prayer together. Our next church council meeting is scheduled for Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, and the worship committee will meet at 6. Thank you for everyone who's been supporting uh, the food bank and the Northside families with the list of items that they supply to us. We, we have a bunch of stuff to give to them right now, but we are still continuing to collect, and we will collect them on Sundays, uh, the first Sunday of the month, so our next one will be May 7th. Any other announcements to share today? Let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts before our God. We light our Christ candle today to recognize that the light of Christ shown to us through Easter and throughout this Easter season, that Jesus is with us every single day. Let's join together in a response to Psalm this morning. steadfast love, O God, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains, O God. Your judgments are like the great sea. All living things you say. Your steadfast love, O God, extends to the heavens. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we do see light. Continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright in heart. Your steadfast love, O God, extends to the heavens. Let us pray. Lord, we walk with you in this Easter season, grateful for the blessings we have received through your Son, Jesus Christ. As we worship you this day, may we always remember the gift of life he brings when we put our faith in him. Amen. Our opening hymn this morning is, Welcome, Happy Morning.
Our scripture reading today is from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I, was, I am the worst. For that, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, as we gather in your presence, as we accept the gifts of life you bring, Lord, be with us. Be with us as we gather around your word this day, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. It's kind of funny how things don't always work out as you planned, right? I got back on Wednesday from a pretty good rest after Easter break. I went to our family cottage down in the valley for a couple days of prayer and reading, all by myself in the middle of the woods on a small, quiet lake. The beauty of this time of year is that there really is no one else at the lake. There's just a couple of people. I only literally saw one other person, I think, the whole time I was there. Although I know there are other people in, I could hear their cars, I could hear them working in their yards. That's how quiet it is at the lake. I could hear people across the other side. But the week did not go quite as planned. When I had left, I had a little bit of a cold. But of course, it didn't stay a little bit of a cold. Overnight, the first night, I didn't sleep very well. I didn't sleep much the second or third nights either, mostly because of the cold. Um, on Saturday morning, I woke up with pink eye. Where did I get pink eye? I have no idea. So I dragged myself into town to get some drops. So those first few days weren't quite as productive, maybe, as I had hoped they would be. I was tired. I was sick. My eyes weren't as clear as I would have liked them to be so I could read or, or do some journaling. And while I couldn't actually do much journaling, I, I could still pray. It wasn't as warm as I'd hoped to be either for spring in the valley. I went through a fair bit of firewood that week, keeping our modest, rustic, basic cottage warm. But nonetheless, it was still a good time. It was a good time for me to get away with God and with nature. And because of the cold, maybe I didn't come back quite as rested as I had hoped I would. But I believe it's still good for me to get away from my body, mind, and soul. Now, sure, things didn't work out as planned. But in some ways, maybe God had other plans for me. And I kind of just tried to do my best to roll with it. I think it was good that I got away for a few days where time didn't matter. What day it was didn't matter. Meeting deadlines didn't matter. I could just sit back and see how the day unfolded as I did some reading, as I spent some time in prayer and went for the occasional walk. Now, did I come back a completely changed man? No. But I came back after prayer with some, maybe some greater clarity around some of the questions I was seeking answers to. And I came back ready to face the next few months together with all of you. One thing about being in the woods all by yourself for days on end, it, it gives you time to kind of reflect, to kind of do a bit of self-assessment. Because there's literally no one else around. It gives you a chance to reflect on who you are, where you are, what adjustments you might need to make. This may not always be a good thing for a lot of people. But for me, it shed some light in some, into some areas I may not have examined before. Especially with the recent revela revelation that I probably have ADHD. In these moments of self-reflection, we can often be hard on ourselves, though. We are our own worst critics, aren't we? Little mistakes 
can make us feel like we're a complete failure. And we wonder why people even want us around. We wonder what good we are. And maybe that no one would even miss us if we were gone. Well, that's always untrue. Always, always untrue. We impact the lives of others in ways we will never fully understand. Yet those little voices in the back of our head, they just love to point out what, what a great failure we are, don't they? When we're truly not at all. Believe it or not, I believe the Apostle Paul dealt with some of these issues. We see a little bit of a glimpse of it today from a reading in 1 Timothy. Paul's getting a bit older now. And he's writing a letter to Timothy, who is someone who is trained, someone who he has mentored and sent off to do his own thing for about 10 years. Timothy's out on, out on his own. He's leading a, this church, and Paul writes him to, to encourage him. And Paul begins the letter by warning him to protect the church from false teachers. You see, from the very beginning, people have tried to use the name of Jesus for their own agenda, to for their own benefit, even their own personal gain. It was true in the early years of the church, and it even remains true today. In our reading, Paul, he's being reflective, and he's doing it in such a way that he, he uses it to encourage Timothy to keep going strong in his ministry, to stay focused, to keep spreading the good news of Jesus to the people. And from what we read today, we see Paul thanks God, thanks Jesus for three things. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, and appointing me for, to his service. So Paul thanks him for the strength he has received. He's thankful that Christ finds him trustworthy, and he thanks Christ for appointing him to his service, to do his work. So why is Paul thankful for these things? Well, that comes in the next sentence, really. Paul says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. As Paul's getting older, he knows the grace Jesus has given him. And he's very, very appreciative of it. He's very thankful for for everything Jesus has given him in his life, because he knows he doesn't deserve it. We know the story of Paul, who was once named Saul. We know how he terrorized the early church, just as it was getting started. We know Paul was the one who worked zealously to stop the followers of Jesus by arresting them, by even seeing, overseeing a number of their deaths. We know Paul was at the stoning of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. We know the church was even scared of his name being spoken. We know the kind of man Paul once was. But when he was on his way to arrest the church leaders in Damascus, Paul met Jesus on this road, and his life was forever changed. And now he's getting older and he's reflecting on the grace and mercy granted to him by our Savior. He knows Jesus came to the world to save sinners, and Paul, as he says, he sees himself as the worst of all of them. Now again, we tend to be our own worst critic, 
But when Paul remembers what he did to the church in his early days, what he did to the people of the church in his early days, it's no surprise he sees himself as the worst sinner. Now, I don't think I'm the best father in the world for my children. I know there's more I could have done. I don't think I'm the worst minister in the world for God's church. I know there's more that can always be done. But it's normal for us as people to think, what if I had done more? And then we beat ourselves up for not doing it. Paul, had he known Jesus sooner, Paul would have spared the church a lot of pain and suffering that he inflicted on it with his own hands. And he feels the guilt of that burden. But even with that guilt, even though he did all those things, God showed him abundant grace. In Paul's own words, he says, For that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul knows. He knows what he has received from God. It's not just grace. It's not just mercy and forgiveness. It's also eternal life. Now, Paul's situation reminds me of a story Jesus told in Luke chapter 19, 18, starting at verse 9. And it goes like this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I, tw I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He just beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. We can approach God in two ways. We can be like the Pharisee, telling God just how lucky he is that we're on his team. Or we can be like the tax collector, knowing we are in need of God's grace and mercy because we struggle to be a faithful people pretty much every single day. And Jesus tells us in the end that those who are humble before him, they will receive his, receive his gift of life. So which team are you on? What has Jesus Christ done for you. Paul gave thanks for Jesus, that Jesus gave him things like strength. And strength is something we need in the church. We need God's strength in our lives in order to do the work he calls us to do. Work that is often challenging. Work that exhausts us at times. Work that may cause us to want to give up. Because it just feels like on certain days there's just nothing we can do. Nothing that we do actually makes any difference in the world. And that's what it feels like sometimes. Because again, we are our own worst critics. We are unable to see what the impact of the work we do in the name of Jesus actually does sometimes. What it does in the world around us. We start to doubt if it's even worth it at times. One thing that impresses me about Paul and his writings, he doesn't seem to fall into that trap. Even though he's mentioning uh, people he's mentored, other pastors who have left the church, 
even though he's dealing with people who are taking advantage of the gospel of Jesus for their own personal gain, and so on and so on, even after all these things, he still seems to have an incredible faith. Which to me says what a great testament that is to the saving grace he experienced when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. But also the support he has received from the church. There is a problem in the United Church that's been brewing for a number of years. We have a, we have a couple of serious problems in our denomination. And I'm just, the first one I'm going to talk about today is that we don't have enough ministers. We, have, we are retiring more ministers every year than we're recruiting, which is a problem. Which means there are churches out there that have been without ministers, some of them for years, especially in rural parts of Canada. Another problem we have is this. Ministers are giving up. I know a number of ministers, friends of mine, who are gifted, skilled, lovers of Jesus, who have left ministry over the last couple of years. And I'd be lying if the same thought hasn't crossed my mind at times, because it has. Why is this happening? It's happening because when we look at the example of Timothy and the support he had from the church and from Paul, we don't have that. We don't have a person or a body behind us that supports us from the denomination. Now you people, you're all wonderful. You do, you, you do a wonderful job of encouraging me to keep going, and I appreciate it all. But the church as a whole, the denomination, the United Church of Canada, has not done anything in recent years to make me feel like I want to keep doing this. There's a bunch of us, a lot of us, that are simply wondering if the United Church of Canada actually cares about us at all. And some of my friends, when they've asked for that kind of support over issues that they've met in the church, they've basically been met with silence. So they left. Every single one of them has left ministry and gone into regular jobs. And in these jobs, they feel supported. They feel like they're doing something useful. They feel appreciated by their organization. Something some of them have never experienced in the church since the day they were ordained. Falling into this trap of self-doubt, of, of feeling worthless, of, of, of going nowhere is nothing new. We probably all have these moments, don't we? Paul even seems to have those moments as he reflects on the guilt he felt for persecuting the church. But then he kind of snaps out of it by remembering the gift of grace he has received from Jesus. This lifts his spirit. And he extends this gift to people like Timothy. And he lets his faith shine so that others may, say, may see Christ in him. Now we may be our own worst critics, but God is not. Once we turn to Jesus Christ, God extends this immeasurable grace and mercy towards us, and he grants us peace. Maybe not peace in our lives, but peace in our hearts. Paul experienced this peace, and he sought to share it with everyone, with the leaders, the people he's mentored, and he works with them to help spread this message of Christ's peace to the world around him. And it is what Paul did with, with Timothy and, uh, and what they all did in the churches. It is the same work 
that we are doing as followers of Jesus today is trying to share his peace, his love, with the world that is around us as members of Christ's church here in Cape Breton. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at the, the two letters that Paul writes to Timothy. And while we're only going to be reading short sections of it, sections of it every single week, I would encourage you to, to read them at home. They're not long books. Just take a couple minutes, really. But take them and reflect upon what Paul is saying, not only to his protege, Timothy, but, but to all people who want to be followers of Jesus, who want to follow in his footsteps. Towards the end of chapter 1, Paul encourages Timothy to continually renew himself in the stories of Jesus. To remember the stories of, of those who encouraged him, who told him that one day he, Timothy, would be a great leader in the church. And to remember those words of prophecy, to, to be that pick-me-up, to be that encouragement when times are tough. When the work seems to go nowhere, when, there's, when you need that little pep talk, that little pick-me-up to get you going in the morning. Paul says, remember that. And Paul says that even though some of them have turned away from the gospel, or maybe even worse, that other mentors, uh, people that Paul has mentored have left the church, Paul says, let them go. Let them go. And he tells Timothy to focus on the work that is with those who are still engaged, still seeking, still learning, still wanting more of God in their lives. For Paul, having this sincere faith, a faith that longs to grow in the understanding of Christ Jesus, for Paul, this impact that can the impact that it can happen in our own lives it is important. It's what gets Paul out of bed in the mornings. It's what causes him to write these letters to the church and to, to, to the people he's been mentoring, people like Timothy. This is the work that Paul loves. Building the church, encouraging the church, inviting people to, to know Jesus more. Paul had this incredible experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. An experience that changed his life forever as Jesus forgave him for persecuting the church and welcomed him to be a leader within it. It's just amazing when you think about what, what he has done in Paul's life. And then when I think about it, it's actually pretty amazing what God has done in my life since I've come to know him as Lord and Savior myself. Now, I could also go around thinking about what a terrible wretch I was in my life before I knew Jesus. But God intervened. God changed me. God lifted me out of that sinful pit I was in and made me a new man. Was I a terrible human being? No, I don't think so. But again, we're our own harshest critic. We know what we're feeling deep inside. We know what's in our hearts. I wasn't the worst sinner of all. But there are things in my past that maybe I'm not really happy about not proud of but then Jesus took it all away Jesus took my sin upon himself on the cross and made me clean when I chose to follow him do I still struggle in days? absolutely we all do but then we turn back to the cross and realize what Jesus has done for us he will do the same for you he has done the same for you Jesus gave his life for you so that you may live. 
He did it for Paul. He did it for Timothy. He did it for me. He did it for you. Jesus Christ, the Savior of souls, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves us just the same, just as he loves Paul and Timothy. He loves all of you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us sing together Amazing Grace. you now to join our hearts in prayer as we pray together this day. Lord, 
we thank you for the gift of Jesus. For taking that cross for us so that we may live. Lord, as, as hard as it is for us to accept sometimes, we thank you that through Jesus we are cleansed and made whole. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather here today and proclaim your greatness, be refreshed and renewed, to go out into the world to be your servants, to be humble and loving and filled with grace as you fill us. Lord, we also come today with, with, the, with burdens we carry, with concerns for those around us. And so we lift our prayers to you. Lord, with continued uh, news of gun violence, Lord, we pray. We pray for our brothers and sisters in the United States who face this threat seemingly on a daily basis. Lord, we pray for the political leaders to do what is best for the safety of their people. So Lord, would you guide them? Would you soften their hearts so that they can see the pain that people carry and work to relieve that pain? Lord, we pray for our own government as we see divisions arising in our own country. Lord, we pray for unity. We pray for peace. We pray for the thoughtful exchange of ideas so that we may live in peace and unity. That we may continue to live freely in this great country that you have blessed us to be living in. Lord, we pray. We pray that we as a people may see the hurt in others and work to relieve that pain as Jesus does still today. We pray that as we look around the world and the suffering that has been inflicted on so many people by wars, by industry, by mining, by so many things. So Lord, we pray that we would have the heart to reach out to them as well, to help bring peace to their lives, their world, their homes. Lord, we also pray for those among us, our loved ones, our neighbors, our families. We pray for those who are sick, we pray for those who are waiting tests, for those who are unsure just what to do in their lives. Lord, may you bless them. May you comfort them. May you bring them healing and guidance. Lord, there's so much that concerns us in this world. There's so much pain, so much suffering. We 
So many have turned away from you. So Lord, we pray. We pray that you will be known once again. But not a, as some people see you, as a, as a vengeful God. But Lord, we pray that people would recognize that you are not vengeful. You are not spiteful. You are a loving God. And Lord, we pray that this be known around this world. And Lord, as we continue to pray, we offer to you now the prayers of our hearts. Lord, like Paul, we, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for trusting us. We thank you for appointing us to your service. And so, Lord, as we lift these prayers to you for our loved ones, for our neighborhoods, for our country and our world, Lord, we pray that your love and your peace will be known. And Lord, may we be a part of sharing that love and peace to the world around us. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we give thanks for the gifts that God has given us, we return to God a portion of what ultimately belongs to him. Our offering will now be received.
Let us sing together, what a friend we have in Jesus. My friends, we are the body and hands of Christ in the world today. That even though we may feel like the work is going nowhere, even though we may struggle daily to do what we feel we need to do, God is with us. Christ is with us. And he will show us the way. So let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.